Hey, this is Kim Davis, and welcome to another one-on-one podcast. And my guest today is Oggy McCurrock, founder and CEO of Customer Portfolios. Welcome. Thank you, Kim. It's good to be here. I understand you're usually in Boston, but you're down in New York for an event? Yeah, we're doing a, an event, Marketing Roundtable, on the convergence of uh, ad tech and MarTech uh, tomorrow morning at the Kimpton Ho- Hotel Eventi, I guess. The Eventi, yeah. I think it's right around the block from your offices. I know it well. So I, I certainly like to come back uh, to talk about that with you, but I thought to kick it off, let's learn some more about customer portfolios, which... By the standards of uh, the tech industry, is almost an ancient company, 2001. Yes. Yeah, we've been around for over 16 years now. We were, um, uh, I was with a uh, CRM management consulting firm right. uh, in the 90s uh, called Deal Logos. We were also based in Boston. And with Deal Logos, we basically started out doing CRM blueprints, white papers, uh, for mostly Fortune 2000 companies, at one time we were working with IBM and Allstate Insurance and GE Capital and the likes. Starting at about 98, we the whole venture-backed uh, you know dot-com thing really started taking over, and I would say by the end of by the end of 99, probably more than 50% of our business was was in this dot-com space. And for the in the CRM world that we were in, it meant it really meant at that time <clears throat> going beyond just architecture and actually helping those clients build databases, customer databases, marketing databases, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. them, uh, using data warehousing type best practices, and then building analytics, customer segmentation, and what we began to call lifecycle marketing, lifecycle mm-hmm. analytics back then, and then integrating with you know. Really, the name of the game back then was was all the new email platforms. But for us, it was always about generate the intelligence first, uh, figure out what you should be saying to each of your customers. We really kind of bought into the whole one-to-one marketing thing way back in the early 90s. Um, and so for, you know, for me, for over 20 years now, I've been trying to speak to customers on a one-to-one personalized basis. And so we started building as customer portfolios. We built these databases. We built out our analytics. Like you said, we've, we've probably been described, we would be described as a boutique for most of our existence. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, we have quality brands that uh, work with us, a lot of uh, multi-channel retailers, um, and uh, you know, it's always been about creating actionable analytics and being able to connect it back to the points of execution with outbound marketing, and of course, it's email and direct mail and all yeah. of that. And then ne- now we've got mobile technology, so it's the mobile app and push, but it's also SMS. And then, of course, you've got all these digital channels, and and now we have personalizations on our e-commerce site. So how do you get the intelligence back to these things? And so I think if you go back 16 years ago, it was mostly thought of, all right, you create the intelligence in the back office, mm-hmm. and then it took humans to get it back to right, the front line. Right. In today's world, really the, all this integration needs to be near real time at least. And uh, when you are face-to-face with a customer, whether it's in a store or on your website, how are you going to treat them differently to make them feel special, to make them feel like a value customer? Well, this has um, been an enormous <clears throat> era of change. I'm just a little bit curious what CRM looked like back in the 1990s. Now, for one thing, that's pre-cloud, isn't it? Yes. Well, yes. 
And I, but I would tell you, customer portfolios has been in the cloud since two thousand one. Nobody, nobody <laughs> really? knows where their database is. Uh-huh. So now, and and we've always been working with big data. We've been going right after the uh, you know the the transaction stack, uh, both uh, getting data out of the point of sale uh, systems, but also the e-commerce system. But CRM in the first wave, if you might remember, really kind of took a split and. The likes of of Siebel and Oracle kind of dominated the B two B space. Right. Uh, because of our particular expertise, we kind of we definitely went down the B two C side, which again was largely a different set of uh, tools. Where probably the the email, the ESPs were kind of the the lead category, along with uh, the first wave of campaign management tools like yes. Unica. Okay. Right? Yes. And so we were more on that side versus doing Siebel implementations. We were putting databases together with, and I remember we were working with a company back in the mid-90s, late 90s, uh, called Sagent Technology that worked pretty closely on top of Microsoft databases, which just lowered the price point right. for most of these, you know, uh, most retailers, despite their big glossy names, are, are really, are, are really mid-sized companies. So... Uh, we are working with the likes of Sage and Technology. We are integrating with uh, with Unica and other tools like that. We were integrating with uh, the first wave of of, of of email tools, and you know, so that's kind of what it looked like. It was more of the B two C architecture than the B two B architecture. Understood. Yeah, and you, you traced this whole history really, haven't you, from from CRM to email marketing to marketing automation more generally and of course today we're in this amazing fast evolving space where we're talking about not just automation but having machines teach themselves how to work artificial intelligence predictive analytics and you're at the cutting edge of all this we're uh, we're I'd like to think of it as the leading edge leading edge probably <laughs> 16 years ago when we first started, I now know that we were on the bleeding edge because we were, <laughs> we were doing more evangelizing than anything else. Right. Um, but it's amazing how, how uh, you know, our original vision and what we set out to do, uh, I think more than ever, really resonates today. Yeah. And <clears throat> during this period of time, what's really interesting is the, the major problem, if you go back to 2001 and even all through, all through the 2000s, was creating the single view of the customer. Okay. Right? And and then the the original world, the B2C world of CRM was all right, if you had a campaign management tool like a Unica sitting on top of that that single view of the customer, which we'd call the customer profile, then you know you were you were mostly in control. What's what's happened now in this in this last uh, burst in the last let's say, you know, five to seven years mm-hmm. with the digital explosion is uh, all of a sudden the the CMO is now spending more money than the CTO on yep. marketing technology. And the CMO has a really tough job. Uh, their, their lifespan is getting shorter and shorter because they're being overwhelmed with all of this technology and very high expectations from the rest of the, of the, the executive team. And yet in a way, they've almost been uh, disserved by this explosion of technology because now instead of having, well, we were creating a single view of a customer, now instead of having one view of all of their campaigns and all of their marketing uh, 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 events, 
uh, their marketing initiatives mm-hmm. and channels, they now have multiple tools. They might have half a dozen of these tools yes. because the digital explosion were all about point solutions. Yes. Right? So I have, I have one tool set for digital advertising. I might even have a different partner for, for retargeting. I have a different tool set, probably all owned by Google for, for paid search, yeah. right? I have a smo- social marketing platform. I might even have a social agency so far. And, of course, I got my email tool. Of course, I've got, if I'm doing catalogs, I have my, my, my mail house and my direct yeah. mailer uh, uh, partner. So now it's like a, f- you know, it's like a, there's no central control. There's no central view of all of that. That's what some people like to call <clears throat> the Frankenstack. Yeah, it's and and again, it's it and it's not really integrated. So while we were so set on creating the single view of customers, somehow, somehow our 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 campaigns, our marketing efforts became completely distributed. So, um, so now the challenge is, it is what it is. That's the state of the union. So how do you get that single? If you have the single view of the customer to basically get that same view to out to all those touch points yes. is a is a big effort and quite frankly that's probably where that's that's why customer portfolios exist as a business today if it, if 16 years ago it was because nobody could get control of their customer data it's because now today it's because nobody can make their customer data actionable actionable that's the key thing isn't it and the thing I'm hearing everywhere I go and everyone I speak to is this emphasis that today, for the customer, they're looking not just for a brand or a product, they're looking for an experience, which means that they're expecting brands to be able to deliver, as you say, that single view of them over whatever channel they're in, and also not just when they're being marketed to, but when they're being sold to, when they're being advertised to, when it gets to service and support customers have an expectation that this is all coming together, which relates to this convergence. You mentioned ad tech and martech. Yep. I throw sales tech and support in there sure. as well. Is that the way it's going? Yeah, that's the way it has to go because, uh, quite frankly, the, the consumer, we're all consumers. We all know how much information we have available to us, how many choices we have available to us. So for any brand to be blind to that and not to be trying to figure out how to deliver the right experience, especially to your best customers, right. okay, then, then we run the risk of alienating them and, um, and kind of seeing them fade away most of the time while we're you know, not paying attention. So yes, it's really, really important that we get this right. Um, and what, what I think we're seeing, and even you know the, the baby boomers continue to be a powerful mm-hmm. you know economic uh, generation, and they're apparently they're going to live forever, right? <laughs> um, and um, and they've been well educated now in, in terms of this digital world and yes. how to buy online and how to do things, and they're and they're but they're very different, obviously, from the millennials and. And then supposedly the centennials are even different than the millennials. Centennials <clears throat> haven't caught up with them yet. Okay. Yeah, exactly. But they're coming. It's yeah. my seventeen-year-old daughter, <laughs> who's supposedly very different than my twenty-four-year-old daughter. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, they they have the power, right? And so, 
how do you really connect with your best customers? And the biggest problem that we've seen with the digital world is, yes, there's some really great technology there. And, you know, for any given, and we deal with a lot of retailers, uh, they have stores offline, but they also have the e-commerce store. And the e-commerce store has gotten a lot of technology investment, yeah. right? So there's, I mean, and, and so you have a website and everybody's dropped a pixel, on your site because they're yeah. collecting the, the click stream so that they can apply their magic algorithm and their rules engine and personalize whatever part of the thing they're trying to personalize yeah. and or optimize. It's not always about personalization. A lot of it's about optimization yeah. in terms of ad spend and, and paid search and stuff like that. So, but <clears throat> But largely it's not integrated with the rest of the world. And, and even today, even though e-commerce continues to grow year over year, and then let's not even talk about Amazon, right. um, but they continue to grow. But most of our multi-channel retail clients are still making the bulk of their revenue offline. Right. And and not only that, we're beginning to see use cases, Not I mean, not just being able to see them. We now have proven they actually exist, where clients shop online. Okay, uh, and figure out what they're interested in, and then they go into brick and mortar retail. Right. And if you can't connect that, then all of these tools we have on our website assumes that it's an abandoned shopping cart, and then I, they start chasing you around with retargeting, yep. <laughs> showing you showing you the sweater or the shoes that you looked at but didn't buy. And the reality is, Kim, you already bought it. Yep. yep. And so you and you love the brand, but you're kind of saying. Uh, that's kind of silly. Why are you guys chasing me around? I actually had one of my favorite brands retarget me with, and by the way, it was a sweater, retarget me with a sweater when I was on a, basically a math website helping my daughter with homework. That's annoying. That's, it's out of place. Yes. It's inappropriate. Yes. It's just, it's wrong on every level. Yeah, so <laughs> we're not only connecting across the digital channels, all the digital touch points now, but there's the, importance of connecting the physical and the digital because I mean after all in our own lives we walk around with these computers in our hands so we're connected all the time we are and and I think there's going to be a lot of really cool things that happen there including uh, the mobile device becoming a key uh, a key instrument in yep. the way off offline retail stores work we we basically have been talking about you know uh, the idea of, of the mobile wallet, the phone becoming your your identifier, mm -hmm. right, and your loyalty card, and why not detect that Kim has just walked through the, the threshold? Why not deliver the full, fully integrated 360-degree view of Kim so that associate treats you the way you should be treated? Got it. Now, th this is um, this all makes absolute sense. I, I warned you I was going to throw a blind quote at you from a, from a blog which you wrote, I, I think, earlier this year. Okay. And really relates to customer portfolios. You said, we underestimated the importance of explaining what we do and of differentiating ourselves in the marketplace. Now, that's something we're actually doing, hopefully, in this podcast. But what's that yeah. challenge been like for you? Uh, it's been really hard. I mean, uh, you know, the problem that I have, and I'm, um, you know, again, I've been doing this way too long. I, I would literally tell you that when I first headed down this path in 1995, okay, that what we set out to do then is pretty much what we're still trying to do now. 
The problem, though, is we've had multiple waves of venture-backed technology explosions where, you know, we keep reinventing the same old things, and we have to come up with new words and new buzzwords to do them because otherwise we just get pinned as the old thing. And yet we're still not really doing those things. Right. Right? So, I mean, again, this idea of creating a consolidated view of the customer, that's not new. That's a 20-year-old idea. This idea of making it actionable, right, when I'm face-to-face with my customer, that's not new. That's an old idea. But who's doing it? Right. Right? So so I'm, I'm a little bit of a meat-and-potatoes person in that, you know, basically you need to be able to, to do what you say you do and prove it. And then, so where we've evolved to now is, you know, you can keep trying to update your buzzwords and try yeah. to... And I can't, I can't spend the marketing dollars that that some of those those funded companies can spend. <laughs> right, I, I right. can't compete with that. So what we have to do is prove it on a daily basis with our clients, and then point to those success stories as real as uh, real examples of where we've helped them move the needle on customer value, move the needle on incremental revenue, and by doing it through through basically personalization, by making the customer profile actionable. Okay. Um, and again, I, it's, I don't know if we'll ever solve that problem because the, the market's going to keep moving forward yep. regardless of whether there's success. Yep. <laughs> so well, that, That's um, proving it to the customers. So that brings me to the question I wanted to end with, which is give us a sense of your customer base, whether in terms of verticals, industries, who's working with customer portfolios? Okay, so um, so we're working with a lot of uh, B2C companies, mm-hmm. multi-channel uh, retailers. Uh, so we're working with companies like Vera Bradley. We're working with Fry and Torno here in New York. Uh, we're working with uh, Johnson and Murphy and and Journeys. Okay. Some of them are some of them are manufacturers selling direct now, mm-hmm. such as such as Burton and Johnston and Murphy and Fry. Others are pure retailers, like like uh, and Vera Bradley would go in that manufacturer selling direct, and then we have pure retailers like Journeys who are selling you know brands like Converse and Vans and all of that, and so um, of course if you're talking about the 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 uh, manufacturer selling direct, I mean their brand starts with their product, right? Okay, talk to Fry Boot people about Fry Boots, okay. The product is sacred, and along with that, the brand is sacred, and they know how important their relationships are. And so, you know, they've they've now are evolving where they're they're having the same technology that you see in any kind of classic retailer. Right. Um, the retail folks are trying to compete at it's even more competitive there because what are your options now to buy Converse or buy Vans? So the customer experience is critical to traditional retailers. They have to differentiate on their experience, on their on their convenience, whatever whatever the, the value prop is. Yeah. Otherwise they'll get they'll you know, I can go I can buy Converse anywhere, I can buy Vans anywhere. That, Why do I real, go to journeys? That's a real pressing challenge now in retail. I think it's a great way of highlighting how important the experience is because if you're just talking about product or, or price, people are going to go to Amazon. You've got to give them more than that. You've got to give them a reason to come to you. Exactly. 
Exactly, and and the thing is, is everybody's saying retail's dead. Re, you know, retail's not going to die. No. I mean, even Amazon is building physical stores now. I mean, yeah. I, I can only imagine. You know, you can imagine how they're feeling at Walmart about that. Um, but uh, you know what? What we're seeing, like right up at where I live, up on the North Shore and in, in, in the Boston, Greater Boston area, is right. You know, no more than ten miles down the road from the North Shore Mall, which is a, a Simon's Mall, they've built one of those new kind of life, size, life centers, centers, you know, yeah. it's a destination. It's date night. It's the perfect date night. You can go out with your wife. You can do a little shopping at top brands, mm-hmm. right? Matter of fact, the Apple store is moving out of the traditional mall and is moving down to, basically, it's called Market Street. Right. And you can walk the sidewalks there. There's a park, and they, they, they have an ice skating rink in the yeah. winter. They got that. They got the bowling alley. They got all the top restaurants. You know, it's just it's just changing. So. Yeah. Retail, uh, brick-and-mortar retail will continue to exist. People enjoy shopping. Uh, they enjoy that kind of newer experience. And, uh, you know, it. I think it's evolving, and it feels a little rough right now because we're right in the middle of the transition. Yeah, no, I believe it. Uh, run out of time, as so often, but, Augie, okay, that's a great tour of the space you're involved with. Thanks for joining us. All right. And, everyone, watch out for the next one-on-one podcast. <laughs>